Welcome to the Wellness Vault Podcast from Your House Fitness, the podcast that talks about fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, health, and wellness. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Sergio. Today, we're joined by Kathleen Trotter. Kathleen Trotter is a personal trainer, nutritionist, health coach, and writer. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kathleen. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you know, I've never done a podcast from my home. And I think it's kind of cool that your business is in-house personal training. And we're in not only my house, but go. my studio doing this <laughs> podcast, right? We're wrapping it all together. Uh, it's, it's super cool to be in my own space and to be talking to you about my book and my work. And I was like, what could be better in a day? Yes. So thank you so much for the hospitality. Um, starting, can you tell our listeners um, about yourself? Oh my God, that's a big, big, <laughs> just go. Okay. Um, I don't even really know where to start. You know, I grew up as a really unfit, unhealthy, overweight, unhappy mostly kid. You know, I kind of ate my way through my parents' divorce and my mom was an actress. And so, you know, I'd go on film sets and I don't know if anybody's been on a film set, but there's basically like vans full of food. And, you know, I was a kid, so I'd go in and I'd be like, I want that chocolate and I want that. And they'd be like, okay, whatever, have it. So I hated my body. I hated, I don't know, I hated myself, really. I would time my walks home from school so I would have enough time to go to the fish and chip wagon, get chips, walk home, eat them, have mouthwash in my purse so my mom wouldn't know I'd had them. Um, you know, because my mom was a really health conscious human being. And for some reason, I didn't get that gene until I was 20 or something. Um, yeah, I remember one time in school, I went to, I got M&Ms before I started class and I ate them all. And then I was so embarrassed that I'd already eaten the package of M&Ms, but I wanted another package that I went back to the convenience store and I lied. I made up this story. I was like, I was eating the M&Ms and then they fell on the floor and I couldn't have them. So I have to buy another. Like, I didn't just want to say like, I want a second pack of M&Ms. I was so full of shame. Um, so yeah, that was me up until, I don't know, about year 18. And then, you know, fast forward to now I'm 35 and you know, I still have my struggles with loving myself, but I'm definitely on a better path and I'm active and happier and healthier. And, and, you know, I just feel that being active has a, an ability to make people energized and empowered. And I want to give that to people whenever I can. And that, w yes, thank you so much. I didn't know that. That's really fascinating. Yeah. yeah my first, in my first book, actually, I, my whole introduction is sort of about me and my body shame and, and how I, you know, changed and, and you know it's a, such a gradual process but I really really credit my mother she's amazing she was a single mom and um, she really taught me that there's always a solution and that's one of the sort of main Kathleenisms that I build my fitness philosophy on and it's from her because she said to me when I don't know what I was like 16 17 and she said you know you don't like being active and I get that and you you know you don't want to go to gym class I would cry to get out of gym class and pretend I was sick and oh my god the, the crap that my mom had to put up with but finally she just sort of said to me you know Kathleen I get that you don't like being active and I get that you're full of shame but there has to be a solution and you know you feel normally more confident with adults so why don't we get you to to the YMCA mostly there you know I was living in Stratford at the time and the YMCA in Stratford was really primarily either very very young children or older people so my mom said you know what just go you'll feel more comfortable walk on the treadmill even for five minutes and I did and walking on the treadmill turned into running on the treadmill and doing weights which turned into aerobics classes which turned into me teaching aerobics classes 
Um, and that just sort of started my fitness journey. And that's what led me to take uh, kinesiology in undergrad. And then I did my master's in exercise science and, you know, do my Pilates certification. And But it was a very slow journey. You know, it's been 20 years. And that's what I try to tell my clients and everybody that it doesn't happen overnight. You know, if you, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and I think that that's part of the problem is, is that people think like, oh, you know, I'm going to get fit tomorrow. And then when that doesn't happen, they're like, oh, well, it didn't happen overnight. I might as well quit. Like, who cares? Um, but, you know, your unhealthy habits were not created in a day. So your new healthier habits are not going to be created in a day. You know, most things take most good things take time and work and patience and persistence. Pers- can't even say the word persistence uh, and oh, grit. Yeah. No, don't edit it. That's right. like people have to see. I'm yes. real. I make mistakes. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm always on doing, you know, radio stuff and making idiotic mistakes and then I'm like, where the hell is my brain? And then I start to shame myself and then I'm like, Kathleen, everybody at home has made stupid ass mistakes. You know, they forget a word, you know, they say the wrong name. So it's okay. I'm human. I'm good with that. The older I get also, the more okay I get at being human. I'm like, I will make five million mistakes, but as long as I get myself off the ground and, you know, apologize if an apology is needed I'm, and learn from the mistake, I'm good with that. That's amazing. Th- thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, it's a long ramble, but I think an important ramble. So what advice would you give some someone that's struggling with that right now? What would be, let's say, one thing they could start with working towards? Break it down into sort of the smallest possible thing that you can do right now. You know, get out of this health mountain and just sort of say that every mountain starts with the first step or you know that final coin that makes you a millionaire wouldn't have made you a millionaire if all of the coins hadn't come before it right like every goal takes a lot of steps and you just gotta start and that's the biggest thing so get up have a glass of water go for a walk phone a friend um, just do something small and you know that'll start the you know the positive momentum the positive upward spiral you know get rid of these massive overwhelming goals i'm not saying don't have big goals um i have massive goals i have year long i have five year i have 10 year goals um but in all of that goal setting it all starts with the moment that you're in and i think a lot of us get really caught up in the big things that have to change and we don't realize that if we don't change this moment none of the big things matter right thank you um what inspired you to start your first book um i think frustration with the sort of fitness and health discourse. Um, I love, well, I guess, no, I should say, no, I love writing. I think I should start with that. I love writing and fitness and health has changed my life. And I, and I love the idea of helping others change theirs. You know, I wrote for the Globe and Mail for 10 years, the Huffington Post. I've, um, writing is huge joy for me. And, um, I love the Tim Ferriss podcast. And he always says that, you know, you should only ever write a book if, you know, if you don't write it, it'll sort of vomit itself out of you. Like it, that it's like something you have to do. You know, he talks about how hard writing books are and that you have to really want it. Um, and that's sort of how I felt. I think I just felt like I had all this information and I'd written little, little pieces here and there. And I really wanted to bring all of my philosophy and all my, my sort of thoughts together. And I just, I almost felt like I couldn't not write a book. I, I don't know how other way to put it than that. And then that combined with the fact that I just get so frustrated with, with all the, the media out there, you know, this, you know, become a whole new you. No, don't become a whole new you. Become a you that exercises more and eats a little bit better, right? Like, love yourself. That doesn't mean you love every single thing about yourself. You know, this whole um, love yourself meaning like, oh, I accept myself for everything I am. Hell no, I love myself and I still strive like every day to be 
I don't even want to say a better, but a more evolved uh, version of Kathleen. Like, I don't want to be the same Kathleen in 30 years that I am now. I want to be different. Um, so, you know, striving to have that self-compassion and compassion for others and, and just finding a reason to be active that's because, you know, you have a strong why. I want to be strong for my grandkids. I want to play a sport. I want to be able to, like, go to the bathroom when I'm, you know, 100 independently. You know, there's all these reasons to exercise, and they're not because you want to be a size zero and, you know, look good. Although, you know, if you have aesthetic goals, that's great. But I don't know. I just I, I get really frustrated when I read a lot of the health discourse, and I wanted yeah. to set the record straight. It's amazing. There's a lot of that. Like this morning, um, I wrote uh, a quick blog post about Happy New Year's, what now? Yeah. And it's one of the things, and it was just, it, it wasn't about fitness. It wasn't about um, dieting or anything. It was about mostly just three things. And one of the things was you talked about it. It's love yourself first and mm -hmm. know that there is always room for improvement. Yeah. Same with learning. And that's something that when you're talking about, it, I'm just like, wow. We, we should have connected this morning. Totally. I'll have to go and read the blog. <laughs> oh, but, but I do think it's like that what now, um, without reading it, I, I think what you're saying is that there's more to fitness than just the activity part. And I think that's the other reason why I needed to write the book. I get frustrated with the idea that fitness is just about how many lunges and squats you should do. And fitness is understanding your internal dialogue. Like, what are you saying to yourself? How do you talk to yourself? Are you your own best friend? Fitness is what you put in your mouth. Fitness is how much you sleep. Health and wellness is so much more than, you know, have you gone for a walk today? That's part of it. But, you know, it is. It's the what now. It's how do you think? How do you learn? How do you interact with yourself and the rest of the world? Um, you know, I, I want to underline that sort of what's your internal dialogue? Because everyone... So many of the magazines are like, well, here's the best exercise for legs. Here's the best exercise for upper body. But if you don't know how to make yourself actually do those exercises, then the exercises themselves are worthless, right? Like so much about health and wellness is having the positive, productive internal dialogue to connect the dots from actually wanting to do something to making yourself do it, right? And that's that what now? Like how do you do it? And um, knowledge is not enough. It's an important part, but it's not enough. You have to have the motivation. You have to have a strong why. And you have to have an internal dialogue that's going to make you feel empowered and energized, not belittled and um, discouraged and frustrated. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's, yeah, I got to read your blog post because it, it's so much more. And building into that, that question, and I always ask this question to each get, what is your why? Yeah, I love it. And, you know, this is sort of a little bit towards what we were talking about prior to the podcast. Um, and I think that one of the things that I like to stress with people is that it's about what works for you, right? So what you said is your why. Um, my why is going to be different than your why. And my dad's why is different than my mom's why. And, you know, so, you know, you got to stay in your own lane. Like, it doesn't matter what works for anybody else. Um, and that's, that's for fitness, right? Like, so for example, my why very much is so I can be strong enough to run for the rest of my life. I love running. And so I don't always want to do lunges and squats. I don't always want to do single leg deadlifts. I don't, you know, that stuff is not, I, I don't dislike it, but I don't, I'm not like pulled to do it always. But then I say to myself, Kathleen, you love to run. So do your strength training. It's going to make you strong enough to be able to run. Um, and so your why, you know, I don't know. What's your why? Tell me your why. Oh, it's, it's, uh. I could, I could talk about that forever. Well, me too. But well, we, we, well, got, we got at least 45 minutes. To inspire, to inspire others. Yeah. One of the things to inspire others, make an impact in this industry. Because like you're saying, for example, how many lunges, how many squats can you do? 
I go on Instagram right now, and I don't know if because I, I, so I'm still millennial. I'm borderline millennial, <laughs> but I, I, the first thing that comes up all these girls with tight clothes doing glute bridges and and to me like that's fine, but it's only one piece of it. It's only one piece of it. So you're getting all these different people that are seeing that and then see oh that's what I want, but there's no one you. There's so many factors to that, to that video, internal happiness. Yes. Because that's the thing about it. It, A lot of people associate Instagram nowadays with, I see that picture. Oh, that person must be so successful, so yes. happy, millionaire. Everything's great. But that's, that's not the case. Yeah. So one of my favorite authors, her name is Anne Lamont, and she says, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically she says, don't compare your... Um, warts to somebody else's makeup and face, like done upness, right? And meaning we all know our internal struggles, but it's so easy to look at other people's Instagram, you know, and they they have makeup on and they look really good and they're capturing the best moment of the day and think, oh my God, they're so happy. Why aren't I happy? And I think that that's, that's a really big problem. I mean, it's great to use Instagram for information. I love, you know, I, I love posting stuff and hopefully I make people's day a little bit brighter. Uh, but I think it's really important to remember that everybody has a struggle that you just don't know about. They all are going through something and it's easy to think, oh God, you know, I have this big struggle today and everybody else's day is easy. And I'm here to tell you from working with like hundreds of people over the last, you know, 20 years, Everybody, no matter if they are lawyers, judges, doctors, you know, millionaires, whatever, everybody has a struggle. And I like to make sure that I present, you know, as much as possible in my social media um, and when I do these podcasts, just how much, how important fitness is for me because of, of my, own, my, my own struggle. Like, I really do feel like I'm wired for depression and I've had times in my life that I've been incredibly depressed and you know if you ask me why I work out the most basic reason is it makes me happier it manages my mood and um I remember when I first started therapy you know whatever it is 20 years ago and my therapist made me write a journal and it was she said before every workout I want you to write on a scale of one to ten what your mood is ten being really happy zero being you know staying in bed for days um, and then I want you to write after your workout what your mood is so 10 out of 10 I was always the same number or higher after a workout and I did that for two weeks and what it showed me is the worse my mood the more important my workout and so if I wake up and I'm feeling super low if I'm a one or two out of ten I say Kathleen you get up you go for a walk because you will always be you'll never be lower than one or one out of one or two out of ten like the number will never go down you'll only ever feel better and most of the time I go from like a two to a seven but you know the thing is is even if I only go from a two to a 2.5 that little bit of an increase in my mood will allow me to get through my day so I think that that's a really important thing for everybody to know. I think it's easy for people to look at, even my Instagram, you know, I have friends, people who are sort of acquaintances, not my dear, dear friends. And I'll see them at a party and they'll be like, oh my God, you're so energetic. You're always so happy. And I just kind of look at them like, what is it? What, like, are you on crack? Like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> no, I'm not. But even, I mean, they're my friends and they don't even know, you know, it's your only really good friends know the true you. And otherwise, it's we're all just putting on 
and I putting on an act. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I don't mean that in a disingenuous way. I'm just saying that like you don't. Most of us don't show the world our warts. Like that's just not how the world works. So that's another thing I, I mentioned in, in the blog this morning. It's be yourself and don't be somebody like. I'm not going to come in here and pretend to be somebody else in order for you to like me. Oh, but a lot of people do that sometimes because it takes time for people to kind of know, lo like love themselves and be their true selves. Totally. I think so. This is a really interesting subject, actually, because I was taught. I don't know if it was a Seth Godin podcast I was listening to on being authentic. Um, and I think that it's a it's an interesting question of like be yourself because I totally 100 percent I'm on board. Yes, I would never want to give you a version of me that's not me. I would never want to walk in and say, you know, I'm a power lifter or I'm a, like, there are lots of things that I'm not in this world and I'm very proud to be who I am. But at the same time, I'm, I, well, no one can see us because we're on a podcast, but you know, I have pants on, I have a shirt on, like my hair is done. I also wouldn't want to be the person who you showed up and I hadn't brushed my hair and I was in my pajamas because that's not professional. So when I say like, no one can see your warts. There is a level of professionalism where you do have to keep your warts to yourself. And so again, like I'm not saying lie to people, but I am saying that even when you are being authentic and you are being yourself, there is still a different self that you show to a professional person versus if you were my partner, James, I'd be completely okay with being in my pajamas and just being chill. And yeah. that's not because one way I'm being true and one way I'm being not. It's just that I'm being a professional person. So. The Seth Godin podcast I'm, I'm referring to, I forget, I think it might have been on Tim Ferriss. I'm not sure, but he was just talking about how he gets very frustrated with this idea of like your authentic self being the self that you show to the world that's, you know, your crying true self. And he says, no, your authentic self should just be the sort of professional person that you put out and it should always be the same. And it shouldn't be a lie, but it should also, everyone should know that that is your professional authentic self and that you are allowed to have different selves for different um, or it's not even different selves, but different levels of truth that you give. And I, I think that that's also true. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be on Instagram, like, you know, I don't even know what the example would be like, but in my most, most, most intimate, you know, if James has made me really upset and I'm like <laughs> bawling my eyes out, like that's not for anybody to see. That's for him and I to discuss. Oh and that's not me lying. That's just, you know, there are different faces to Kathleen. So I don't know. That was kind of rambly, but I do think that that's key. No, that's great. And building into that finding your fit how long did it take you to write that uh finding your fit my first book um both of the books took roughly sort of six or seven five or six months for the actual writing and then lots of editing after i think my first book i got um the book deal in august and then i think i handed the book in in january and then we edited it for four or five months and then it came out in october and then i think my second book I don't know, roughly the same amount. I mean, the thing about it is because I'm always writing, you know, articles and blogs. And I've seen that Huffington Post. Yeah, so, you know, I'm always thinking through my ideas. And so the book, although it's all new content, it's not new ideas. So I can normally, both of them I've written in five or six months. And some people might think that that's really quick. But I think that it's because I'm, you know, I'm always thinking about things. And especially the new book, Your Fittest Future Self, um, uses a lot of the inspiration that I've had from different authors and people that I love. So, you know, Gretchen Rubin, Brené Brown, Tim Ferriss, um, 
I don't even, Anne Lamont. I mean, there's so many people that I, Carol Dweck, Growth Mindset, amazing. Um, I'm a really big believer in reading and learning. And on my uh, website, KathleenTrotter.com, I actually do book reviews and I talk about how the book has inspired me and has inspired um, or why it's connected to fitness and health. And so, you know, I've thought, thought through those ideas in those book reviews. And I often use those ideas when I'm creating segments for breakfast television or Rogers Ottawa or whatever. So then when I go to write the book, it's sort of, it's, it's been percolating in my head. Plus I have all these journals that I write in all the time. So then I can sort of flip through the journals and see what I've been inspired by and, and everything like that. But yeah, no, I really encourage anybody who is trying to find some joy in their life to do some reading and some learning. Like there's something about learning something and reading somebody else's thoughts that can be hugely inspiring and motivate you to be like, oh, interesting. Well, this person thinks that. What do I think about that? And then you sort of, I don't know, think about it. And I, I love going for a walk and listening to a good podcast. That's great. So building into that, yes. what did you learn from writing Finding Your Fit? to then your fittest future self? <laughs> I love your questions. Um, so the thing, this is going to sound like such a, oh. like a sort of surface level answer, but the first book, I loved the content of the book, but I really cheaped out on the photos. So not the cover photo, the cover photo is great, but if you look, I'm going to give you two copies, one of each of the books, so you'll be able to see, but when you look on the inside of the first book, um, the the workout photos that I do here I'm sort of demoing showing yes. them um, they're not that great a quality because I ha I have to pay for the photos that are in the book and so when I wrote the first book I was like you know what I'm not going to spend X amount of dollars on um, it in it for the photos it just didn't seem worth it um, and then when I had the book like I saw the actual final copy, it was very frustrating for me because I just felt that Dundurn, who's my publisher, had done such a beautiful job on the rest of the book. And the professional photo on the front cover of the book was really great. And, and then you were sort of flipping and then you could just tell that the quality wasn't as good. It's not that the photos themselves aren't great, but the actual quality of the photo is not as good. And I hadn't done my hair and like, I don't know, it just... It just felt like there was a, it was sort of like there was a disconnect in the book of the quality of the writing versus the photos. Um, so in the second book, I spent more money on the photos. So, um, and I almost hate to admit that that's the thing that I learned, but really maybe what I learned is that sometimes the devil's in the details. Like I'm not a detail oriented person. So I think when I wrote the first one, I'm like, oh, all that matters is the content. I just have to write good words and people will like the book. And I don't often like the idea that sort of visuals make a difference and, and that the details can be important. And, and then I think I sort of realized that sometimes that they are, maybe that's a form of me just getting older too, is like, you know, the older I get, the more I like my house to be clean. Whereas, you know, t 20 years ago, I didn't really care if there was crap all over. So maybe it's just that too. Like I get older and I'm like, I want my book to look better. Maybe, I don't know. But anyway, if you look at the two books, you'll see the photos in the second yes. book is better. And it's also like this day and age, it's people expect more. So. Yeah. I understand with the content portion because it's what I get all the time. Oh, all you have to do is just release good content. Yeah. I could write a book worth of gold. Yeah. But if it doesn't have the right name, cover letter, yeah. photos, ev yeah. everything, it yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, and it's hard because, as I said, Dunder did a great job at laying out my content. So I was pleased with that. And then, I don't know. And I think the other thing I learned, um, the biggest difference between the first and the second book is that in the second book, I really draw really strongly on the authors that have inspired me. And it, that's a combination of the fact that I guess I was reading more in the last two or three years before my second book. Um, 
but I also just think that I did a better job at sort of noting other people's ideas and making sure I was really clear about her, who they were coming from um, and, you know, giving really big chunks of like this idea comes from this person and then, I don't know, it, I guess it came from that the book reviews on my website gave me an opportunity to flush out that. Uh, whereas with the first book, I wasn't doing those reviews on my site, so I, so I wasn't as, as into that, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And when did you decide to write a follow-up, and why? Hmm. Um, I think I always knew I would write a follow-up. Um, I, like, I already know what I want, or at least the first idea I want for my so, um, third book to be. I just, I think that that's just who I am. Like, as I said earlier, you know, with the Tim Ferriss, and you know, you write a book because you want it to get, out, want the ideas to get out. I just have so many ideas, and I just, I don't know what I would do with all the ideas if I didn't put them into a book. So, that's good. hopefully, in two or three more years, there'll be a third one. Nice. And why that time frame? Um, it was just, I can't, um, I don't want to say that it was sort of just when it happened, but that's sort of what it was. I was sitting with one of my best friends or my best friend, actually, Emily, I've known her since high school and we were getting a pedicure and we always have this thing where we hang out and she sort of asks me, you know, about different diets and, and workouts and this kind of stuff. And so she, I think she'd asked me about intermittent fasting. I don't exactly remember, but I was saying, well, here are the pros and here are the cons and, and you know there's it doesn't really like the pros of one thing will matter to you but wouldn't matter to me and it's not about finding the perfect diet it's about figuring out like which pro of all the different diets would work for you all the different workouts and sort of curating your own health and so and then she sort of looked at me and she's like that's the idea for your next book and I was like well what and she's like the idea that you have all this different information and that it's your responsibility as a human to curate what works for you and to be an informed mix maker and it's not about sort of blindly following anybody else's program but it's about learning and reading and knowing enough to pick out the pieces that would work for you and creating sort of a recipe of success um, she's like that's the book and so that's kind of where it's started that's and yeah so I credit Emily and that is really the thank concept you, for the, yeah exactly thank you Emily she's an amazing amazing she's in PR and marketing um, and so she her brain just works really well and um, that, that's really the, the premise of your fittest future self is that there's two or three chapters on uh, workout there's two or three chapters on nutrition and there's two or three chapters on sort of mindset and I break down the pros and cons of all different diets, break down the pros and cons of all different workouts, of all different motivational strategies. And then the idea is that you create your workout mix, your nutrition mix, and your mindset mix of all the different pros that work for you. Really keeping in mind that it doesn't matter what would work for you, know, for you or your father or your mother. Um, you know, it only matters what works for you as you, you know, and that you can change. So what works for you now might be different than what works for you in 20 years. So I don't know what, like what, what would be your mix? Like if people are listening to this, like if you said to people, you know, these are the three things that are the key most important for you. Well, out of this particular one, uh, cause I've been following you for a while. I want our listeners to, to kind of know about you because what you bring to the table, something a little bit more different. Yeah, no, but I was more curious why I said that is because it'd be really interesting for people to listen. If you said, for example, well, I love kettlebells, um, making sure my post-workout nutrition is really important and eight hours of sleep. Let's say those are your three most really? important fitness things. I don't know. I just made those up. Yeah. Then I'd be able to say, oh, that's so cool. I don't particularly like kettlebells. I'll use them in a class, but they're not my go-to thing. My go-to thing is a combination of Pilates and running, right? Just so people can 
listen and they can see like, oh, interesting, here's two personal trainers. They're both fit. They're both really into health, but they both have totally different mixes and that's okay. And not only is it okay, that's what's really cool. Because if I tried as Kathleen, if I tried to do your mix, I probably would quit after a couple of weeks because it's just not... You know, you can make yourself do something that you don't really like for a couple weeks, but you can't do it long term, right? And the reason why I'm so consistent with what I do is I, I love it, you know? So, so that's why I asked you that question. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. I, just, I, think, it's, I think a lot of people think that there's like one version of fit and you have to be that one version no. of fit. Yeah. And it's like, no, you got to find the fit that works for you. Yeah, no, so so for example, for me, I love lifting heavy, so I'll have my heavy lifting day. I kind of hate lifting heavy, so yes. there you go. I, I, <laughs> I, I make myself sometimes, but only because I know it's good for me. Yeah, so I love the, the exhaustion afterwards. I love the mobility aspect. Okay. Um, I like mobility too, really important, especially for running my ankles, yeah. The third one would have to be, it's something similar to Animal Flow. Animal Flow is just a branding of what it is. This company's called GNB, and what GNB kind of does is it just teaches you how to kind of utilize your body with certain flows and certain gymnastic movements and um yeah i find it's amazing so i give all the credit to gmb i'm i'm sort of laughing because i was in um london england maybe about a year ago for a conference and i asked the person teaching the conference you know if there was one workout i should do while in london like what should i try because i love trying different things and um, he said, um, go and do this class. Now, he didn't tell me it was an animal flow class. He just said, go and take <laughs> a workout from this, who's a, uh, this personal trainer. And I showed up and this guy was like an ex-gymnast who had learned this animal flow. Oh and the God. whole workout was gymnastics combined with animal yes. flow. Oh my God, did I like hated that. Like, I mean, I'm glad I did it because it was fun to try something new. But I finished that hour and I was like, if I had to do this three times a week, I would oh. quit so fast. Like it was, I was like so bad at it. And like, it was so awkward. And so that's a great example of like something yes. that you love. And I'm like, once in a while doing those kind of things are fun for me. Uh, but I couldn't do it regularly. Like it just, I don't love it. I don't, like I was just like, oh my God. So the reason I mentioned... <laughs> animal flow because people know it as animal flow but it, it's it's that's just more in a way a little bit of mobility training so GM, totally there's a there's what's it called G, gmb i found it's amazing and it's just figuring out how your body works and you're doing all these similar things to animal flow but animal flow similar to zumba it's a choreograph it and, was like i was so yeah. bad at it and, and it wasn't bad fun it was like bad and then the best thing about this trainer actually the best thing about the entire hour is i learned what i didn't want to be as a trainer so i would Animal be doing trainer. these moves no <laughs> I, um, the fill feedback so i'd be doing these moves and he would just turn to me and he'd do and all he kept saying was just do it better no. and i kept being like okay but what does that mean do you want me to go faster do you want me to go slower no. do you need me to turn more do you need me to... and i kept being like i don't understand your feedback and he kept looking at me like really like in the eyes and he'd just be like just do it better so and i funny. left the hour being like this hour was worth the hundred bucks i spent because if i ever tell a client <laughs> to do it better without giving feedback of what better so means <laughs> i should just like quit my job yes yes it's so so that's the other industry as well so as personal trainers we get there we, we I see a lot of that and I I get so irritated and the way it's like, yeah, just squat and then <laughs> just do it. They pull up their phone, 20 squats and they'll look at their phone and then oh, it's brutal. It's it just gives us such a bad name, but I don't get irritated because, um, I don't necessarily like, I think that 
um, doing something is the best version of complaining. Like changing something is the best version of complaining. And irritation is sort of a useless, like it's like, you know, if I feel myself getting irritated and I'm like, okay, what can I do that's more productive than being irritated? Okay, I can go write a blog post on this or I can make sure I'm a better trainer or I can write a book or, you know, like change the discourse. If you don't like something, do something about change it. it. Change I, it. I agree, but a lot of people, to me at least, because so I deal with three to five leads a day, and just to hear people's yeah, story. Yeah, I mean that's also your job to manage trainers in a way that it's not mine. So, so one of the things I get a lot, and you wrote, um, you were featured in the Global News about this, about just gym membership and how in One Health Club they, there there was this um, lady that she, she did a seven day trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I looked at on that, and it's just for that lady particularly mm -hmm. that she was charged. She gets a taste of it, and she's like, "Well, this is the fitness industry yeah, entirely." Yeah, I know it's very problematic, and it's, hard. It, it's what it's the reason why I get agitated is because it's no, it's not. It's that particular person. Yeah, I always tell tell people, ask questions. Don't yeah. sign something and not ask the questions. So, yeah. so am I going to be billed? Is there a cancellation yeah. fee? Yeah, you got to be your own advocate. But that goes. I mean, that's in every business. Like you know, you have to ask the right questions. Right. If you go to the doctor, if you go to a lawyer, like anything, you have to be you have to be an educated um, consumer of anything and you have to be your own advocate. And that's definitely why another reason why I wrote the book, because I want people to stop just sort of mindlessly taking in fitness information and actually figure out like what of it, like digest it and take the time to be like, okay, you know, what of this is useful to me? How do I make this work for me? I always think of it like catching a softball. Somebody throws you information, you catch it. And then you're like, okay, so do I keep this? Do I throw it back to the person? Do I, you know, do I put it aside for later? Like inf that's, you know, information is, is to be sort of dealt with and sifted through. And, you know, you can catch anything, but you don't have to keep anything. Kathleen Trotter. So does lifting weights make you bulky for women? <laughs> I want you to, not from my perspective, let's, <laughs> let's hear from you. It's oh my God. Lifting weights. Wow. What a, you, what a great question. So no, unless you want to eat as a female, like 17 billion calories a day. And that's the struggle. So when, when people listen, the inquiry number one is when I get, so, so doing a push up and tr tricep dip is going to make me bulky. Listen, if it were that easy, yeah. you would quit your job yeah. and you would train and eat and just compete. No. So tell us yeah. a little bit I about I mean, the thing that. about it is that a lot of men struggle to put on weight, right? And like they have yes. more of the growth hormones needed to do it. So putting on muscle mass has a combination of um, how, what you eat, right? Your hormonal balance um, and the amount of volume that, that you do. And so for most women... Um, they could never eat enough to put on muscle, even if they lifted super, super heavy. Thank you. Um, but even if they ate so much, uh, they don't have the hormones to do it, right? Like we just don't. So unless you want, are going to go and take a bunch of steroids and eat like 5,000 calories a day, you know, you can make yourself bulky by lifting heavy weights if you're female, if you do all the other things as well. Yes. But, but, but it's very hard. And as I said, I find most men find it hard to put on the muscle mass that they want to, right? And as I said, they have the, the hormones that sort of make them more predisposed to do it. So lifting heavy weights is not only not going to make you bulky, it's going to give you the physique, the physique, physique that most of us want. Um, and not only that, it's going to make you independent. It's going to make you strong. Lean muscle mass is so important for metabolism. Um, it's going to allow you to do the interval training, like running um, or so biking or anything, yeah. right? So much um, with more power, without getting injured. 
um, it's going to help with uh, diabetes control, cardiovascular health, um, osteoporosis, right? Like when you are 70, if you have been strength training, you will be so happy because you will be able to lift your groceries. You will have fewer injuries. You will have better bone mass. Like everything is better. And that is the primary thing I tell people. Right now you're going after goals that I just want to look better. I just want this, this, this. But the long-term goal for everybody, Mm -hmm. you lift so when you're 70 Mm -hmm. and you don't have to rely on anyone. Yeah. I want to be I want to be 70 and not rely on no one. I want to be able to move yeah. good. I don't want that quality of life, yes. right? Yeah, no, it's so, so, so important. So when does your book come out and why do we need to buy it? <laughs> January 5th. Um, it comes out January 5th, Your Fittest Future Self. And you need to buy it because it is going to empower you to connect the dots from wanting to actually doing. You know, as I said earlier in the podcast, knowledge is only a very small piece of the puzzle. Um, and you have to be able to understand how to put that knowledge to use. And that is the mindset part of the book. And what I love about the book is that I've, it's like, think of it like three legs of your fitness table, right? You have your nutrition, you have your movement, and you have your thoughts. And if you want to eat better, if you want to move, you have to have be able to have the internal dialogue to make yourself actually move, to make yourself actually eat the salad versus the burger. It's really easy to know, oh, I should drink more water, I should eat more vegetables, you know, I should drink a little bit less alcohol and I should go for a walk. Most of us know what it means to be healthy. You know, there's pretty big Captain Obvious things that you got to do. You got to move more, sit less, right? Um, But actually knowing and doing are two very, 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 very different things. And so much of the fitness world is based on the knowledge. It's based on the like, do these 10 things. But if you can't actually make yourself do those things, that that information is moot. So you got to have the mindset to connect the dots. Where can our listeners search for you? So KathleenTrotter.com is my website, um, but I'm also pretty big on Instagram, Kathleen Trotter Fitness. Twitter is K Trotter Fitness. I'm on Facebook. Um, you can buy the book on Amazon. You can buy it from my website. You can buy it from Indigo. You can buy it from my publishers, Dundurn. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah, and, and, uh, and honestly, I love hearing from people. So if you have questions or concerns about anything, you know, just um, email me through my website or through any of my social media channels. And um, I have a newsletter that comes out from my website if you want to be kept in the know of everything Kathleen Trotter. And it has, you know, recipes and exercises and all that kind of fun stuff. So go on my, my website, Kathleen Trotter, and go. sign up. And uh, any last words? Just have fun. You know, honestly, being... The fitness discourse can feel so overwhelming. Like finding your fit can just feel like the worst thing in the world. Um, and I would just say, like, just find a way to, you know, find something that you love. If you like to play hockey, do that. If you like to garden, do that. You know, stop comparing yourself to everybody else. It doesn't matter what works for your favorite celebrity. It only matters what works for you. And be curious and try something. And if it doesn't work, then don't do it again, right? And, and know that so much of adopting a healthier lifestyle is just being willing to change and being willing to um, be a slightly, you know, make slightly different choices than you did yesterday. Because if you want to create a different future, fitter self, you have to change how you're thinking from how you thought, you know, last week. And then finally, you have to act today for the fitter future self you want to be tomorrow. Stop putting off, you know, what you can do for tomorrow for things that you can do today. It's the actions in this moment. This is the only moment you have control over. So you have to act now to create the fitter future you that you want to be. Boom. Thank you so much. Mic drop.
Thank you for listening to the Wellness Vault podcast from Your House Fitness. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and check out our weekly articles on our website.